I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos one at a time. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get shows. And if you like what we're doing, please spread the word. If you'd like a pictorial and caption companion to the podcast, follow at Pada Bing on Instagram. And as always, thank you for listening and being a part of this journey. This is a conversation I had with Vincent Pastor. Vincent, of course, played Sal, Big Pussy, Bon Pincero on the show. Vincent has a lot of stuff on his plate right now, but he took some time to talk to me just before leaving his home on City Island. I had about five pages worth of questions and was prepared to do a long-form sit-down, but we had to call an audible, and I got what I got. The good news is that timing is perfect since we just finished Funhouse on the podcast. As we all know, the character he played had one of the most important and indelible arcs on the show. And Sal Bonpensera was one of the few characters who was remembered on a regular basis within the universe of the show long after he was gone. It was a phone call and there was a lot of motion going on. I kind of felt like I was pussy running from the feds, but I managed to get the drip or at least an approximation of it. That's it. So here is my quick conversation with the great Vincent Pastor. So Vincent, thank you for doing the podcast. How did The Sopranos happen for you? What's the backstory? I was on uh, HBO with a movie called Gotti with Amin Asante. It was a hit, huge hit. In fact, they were saying it should have been a theatrical release. So when the, they were cast The Sopranos, um, Georgina Walken, who, uh, who I know from other projects, she brought me in, her and Sheila Jaffe, and... I met David Chase. And then uh, about two weeks later, they gave me, they offered me the role and signed me up for a pilot. And you do the pilot, and after we did the pilot, um, uh, your agent calls and says, okay, you guys got picked up. Now, you know, you go year to year, you go season to season with television and um, hope that the networks pick you up for the following year, as you may know. And we went and knocked off the first year, and then I got a phone call from David saying we're going to go into the second year. Um, but uh, it's good. it was going to be my last year because they were going to make me the rat, and I was going to get killed. But when you're doing television, that's that's a great phone call because you don't know how long the show's going to run. Hmm. So I knew I was going into a great second season for me. And the scripts are really rich. In fact, we talked about this the other night at the Sopranos reunion. Right. 20th anniversary. I talked, I said it to David. I said, you, he and Terry Winter and Frank Renzulli wrote me some real, real rich stuff. You know, they're really, and I as an actor had to, had to embellish it. I had to take that and go with it. You know, it's a lot more than just learning your lines is, as you may know, you know, you, 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 you work in a character and, you know, the whole scenario. So, um, it was a big year for me and that's, that's how it all started. You know, did you read for anything besides Sal Bonpensero? No. And how, how much of you, how much of Vincent Pastor is in Sal Bonpensero? Well, what you find out when you when you developing a character for television and the writers are friends with you, uh, they write for you the way they wrote Tony Sirico, Paulie Wallace for Tony. If you see the first episode, Tony had one line, but David loved him. 
and start writing him some stuff. And you see what happened to Tony's character. Yeah. Uh, as far as me, am I, was I a wise guy in real life? No. Uh, I'm an actor. Was I a rat ever in my life? I don't think so. But I did have a kid in college at the time. And I uh, I did have some personal demons going on in my life. I don't know if they knew about it. You know, uh, so I think what they do is when they know who the actor's playing, the characters, they write for that actor. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's what they do, yeah. I talked to another actor on the show very recently, and they spoke about it. It was the actor that played Agent Harris, Matt Servito. And oh, Matt. Yeah, I love Matt. He's a great guy. Yeah, we had a really fun conversation earlier. Um, he spoke about an unreleased scene where the feds flipped your character and he was in that yeah. scene and where you did, where he says you did some of your best, most amazing work, but it never saw the light of day. Can you talk about yeah, that scene? That black set that, yeah. Um, yeah, it's in that. I worked with Frankie Pellegrino, God rest his soul, and Maddie, and um, it's when I flipped and David filmed it, and then he said, I don't know how I could put this in because we don't want the audience... It, it, for some reason, it didn't work. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Maddie said it was a good scene? He said it was some of your best work. You, were, you, you showed the full range of emotions. It really humanized the character even more. Because I'll be honest with you, I was always rooting, and I've watched the show a million times. I've always rooted for Pussy. I, 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 he didn't want to do what he did, and, and I'll ask you more about that as we get through this interview. But when he, oh, yeah. I didn't know about this unreleased scene. I just literally learned about it less than 24 hours ago, and I knew I was going to talk to you. Uh, I have not, but I have the disc. Truth be told, I was going to watch it right before I talked to you today, but we moved this up a little sooner. I want to, yeah. I want to, just to get your impression on that scene and that memory, that time, like when you knew it was all going to go down. Uh, how soon in the process did you know where your storyline was going, and how did you feel about it? Well, you get the scripts a couple of days before you go into the next episode, so you you don't know what's happening with your character. In fact, every time you pick up a script, you wonder who's going to get killed. Right. Uh, you know, it's uh, you. You we'll, let's say we're on the set and we're working on an episode, and then the second, the next script comes out for the following episode, and then we instead of going to lunch, you go and they give you something to eat, and you read the next episode, and that's when you find out what's happening next. So you don't know in episode one what's going to happen to you in episode five. I don't even think they know. I think they were right as it went along. That's a good point. You you, yeah. did, you did say earlier that David Chase did let you know that it would be your last season. So that's all you yeah. knew. You just didn't know, you just didn't know when or you didn't know how. No. In fact, um, when we all went to Italy, um, Tony Sirico went over to David. David did a little cameo. And he said, you're really going to get rid of Vinny? And David got mad. And he says, I'm not getting rid of Vinny. I'm getting rid of Big Pussy. Hmm. That was his answer. And he promised me uh, cameos, and he gave me my cameos, you know? And we talked about it a lot. And I'll tell you something else. Um, do you know, this is a fact. I used to own a bar in a show in New York called The Crazy Horse. And Michael Pirelli wrote that episode for Adriana where he buys her a bar, which is called The Lollipop. Yeah. was the bar I used to work in, and Michael used to frequent and they changed it to the Crazy Horse, which was my bar in real life. And um, I was um, at wardrobe, uh, picking up some wardrobe one day 
from Julia Paskin. She said, you have no idea what Michael did for you. I said, what? She says, you'll see it when it airs. And uh, my phone was going off the hook from people who had frequented Crazy Horse. In fact, I have a band. I call it the Gangster Squad. I developed a band when I was doing both over Broadway. And it's uh, original musicians that played years ago in the Crazy Off. We, we have a lot of fun with this whole thing. And I was with Michael the other day at a signing in White Plains, New York. And I said, why did you do that? He says, well, I thought it would be pretty cool. And I had a little inside joke uh, between me, you, and everybody used to play in your bar. And I said, well, you did it. You know. Yeah, it was fantastic. I got to sit down with Michael Imperioli in the studio, and he told me that anecdote as well. And um, you guys are all really tight. And, and the character, the pussy character, stays in the show. You know, might have been killed in the in Funhouse, but the name and the storyline and and the way it tormented Tony, it persisted through the final season. It's just one line. I mean, the scene when he uh, uh, he, uh, he 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 destroys my wife's car. Yeah, uh, Tony Kalem. The talk to Tony, she's wonderful. She became a writer for the show. Yeah. Um, uh, when, um, what was I going to say? Uh, there was a scene when Molly Wallace came back from Florida. I was in the kitchen. There was another scene where uh, it was a dream sequence where we were all in the car smoking cigarettes. Uh, the mirror scene. Um, uh, David kept me on the, he kept me alive. He kept me alive. You know, the, you know, he just kept me alive. He, he, it wasn't a character like some cat, like some of the characters that got killed that they, 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 the writers forgot about. They didn't forget about me. Right. Uh, talk about Funhouse for a moment. The final scene, the song, um, Bobbles Bangles, uh, the Frank Sinatra song. Was that playing while you guys were shooting or was that dubbed over? No, no, actually it was playing. It was playing. I've always wondered that. And you were one of the four guys that were in that room. No, that was playing. And then Sirico, Sirico hit the radio and then production just turned it off. I remember that. But Sirico was scripted that he hits the radio. It wasn't scripted that he hits me. He hit me in real life. When he hit me and I went up against the couch. Yeah. Um, but with the, the song, you're right. The song was really playing while we were working. And uh, then they, then they, then Tony hit the radio and it went off. Right. There's such an irony to that song and the moment and what was going to happen. It was just, it's so, it's just so poetic on so many levels. How did you feel about your send off? How did you feel about that final sequence? I thought I was going to get an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, because and then, I only did two takes. And then Jimmy called me the day the Emmys were announced, coming like 7 30 in the morning. And quote unquote, he said to me, Vinny, you were robbed. Because I knew I didn't have another shot to get back on the show to get nominated. Again, right, you know? right, right. You know? Like I was talking to Dominic on Sunday, Dominic Chianese, we were up on White Plains together doing a signing. And I said, Dominic, I don't remember, did you get nominated? And he said, yes, I got nominated twice. I said, okay, okay. See, even if you don't win, all these awards coming out now, yeah. just to get nominated. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I would hope that I'd get nominated, but and, and, but I didn't get nominated. Were you guys really drinking tequila in that scene, or was it water? Yeah. It was? No. Wow. No. Anthony was the prop guy. I said to Anthony, Anthony, it's my last day. Go get me a real bottle of tequila. He says, I'm going to get fired. I said, will you do me a favor and put a real bottle of tequila here before I will get you fired? And he gave me a real bottle of tequila, and David and Henry Bronson, the producer, they saw what we were doing, and... um. 
Yeah, we were really drunk. But that's not the first time uh, I've ever done any work um, where you really drink. I mean, sometimes, I mean, a lot of directors don't want you to do it, but sometimes you just really need a, a shot or a glass of wine. You know, you just do. Amen. Talk about the character you played for a minute. Salvatore, Big Pussy, Bon Pincero. Why'd he do it? Why did he do it? Because he got caught up. A lot of mob guys deal drugs. They're not supposed to deal drugs, but they deal drugs. Even though the boss says you can't deal drugs. You know, like Gotti. He didn't want his crew to deal drugs. But Angelo Ruggiero, his right-hand man, and his brother, Gene, Gene uh, Gotti, were dealing drugs. You know, and, and, and uh, plus he was dealing drugs, and he got caught so when you get when you get caught, they put you down in a chair and they say you're either going to do time or you're going to be a rat. I mean, you saw this. That's what they did with Adriana's thing. Yeah. You know, that you actually saw her going through the whole process. I got to be a rat and she was going nuts and you saw what happened to her. But um, that's what happened to Pussy. He got caught up, you know, trying to make some extra money. There was a scene they shot uh, in Asbury, it was me, Michael Rispoli, and James, where we shot it to Howard Johnson's, which isn't there anymore. And it was a flashback where uh, Tony Soprano's, is, yeah, I knew when he came back from Florida, uh, he, was a, he was a rat. Right. Or something like that. And it was like, I just came back, and um, I was dealing. And uh, I knew I was dealing, and the audience knew I was dealing, but, you know, uh, the two bosses didn't know. Michael Rispoli, you mentioned, all, just for people that don't know, he's the actor that played Jackie on the show. He's also on The Deuce now with uh, James Franco. Correct. A word or two about your time with David Chase. What can you say about him? He didn't say much. <laughs> so there's not much to talk about. <laughs> never, David never said much. What about a word or two on your time with James? No, Jimmy and I became very close. I saw on your website that you've devoted a big part of uh, the teaching you teach acting, and uh, a yeah. lot of that was a lot of that was inspired by him. If there's a personal moment that you're comfortable sharing, myself, including all the listeners that we have, we have a lot of young people that are watching the show for the first time. You know, you guys are you're breathing new life. Your characters are breathing new life into new generations of people, and this is somebody that no one's ever going to get to meet or see or hear from again. So you're kind of like the last vestiges of of the connection to him. If you're comfortable sharing a moment, I'd love. To hear. Yeah, I'll talk about. It. I was I was familiar with uh, Gandolfini's work from uh, True Romance, Crimson Tide. You know, there was uh, he did Angie with Aida um, Tutorial. We knew who Jimmy was, and when we sat around uh, the table for the first read through, um, that's the first time I met James. Actually, it was the first time I met Little Stephen also, and Little Stephen and I became best friends. He and his wife. Maureen Van Zandt and I have a theater company now in New York called Renegade. Uh, but with Jimmy, he just connected to everybody. He didn't feel that he was worthy enough to, to carry that show. That's how he felt the whole, the whole first season. So he would want to make sure the, his acting wasn't about just him. It was about his scene partners. His scenes with the E, his scenes with Lorraine, his scenes with Michael, his scenes with me. So it was a matter of sharing, which is a great uh, 
lesson uh, to teach, to learn um, about acting, because acting, unless you do a monologue, acting is sharing, acting is giving and taking, acting is listening, you know, um, and James, especially in the first couple of years with me, Vinny, you happy? You want to do another take? I mean, who does that? Who does that? And then he would look at David, give me another take. Who does that? And then there were there were times when uh, uh, Jimmy got a raise, and we all got a piece of the money. We got a we got a percentage of his money. All of us, not everybody in the cast, but the main people. And who does that? You know, uh, it's just the way he was. He was a he had a Big heart, a, a big heart. And I think it's ironic that he passed away the day after he was with the Pope. He was in Rome. He was with the Pope with his son Michael, and he died the next day. See, he took his son to see the Pope. I mean, I don't know if he actually met the Pope, but he was in Rome, and he had, they say he had gone to, uh, you know, the Vatican. You know, I don't know that, but it's. I just think it's spiritual that he died in Rome. That is, actually, when you say it like that. That's amazing. I didn't know the Pope part. You did a lot of your stuff with uh, the actor Louis Lombardi. He's going to be here next week. A- any Let's call, him du- call him Ducky. Call him Ducky? Okay. Ducky, Vinny Cicero. Was it by design that they become friends? Because you, the the sympathy for Pussy really happens in those interactions with, with uh, Louis Skip. And I, Louis and I was, grew up together. Oh, you did? You had a great chemistry. Yeah, he used to come to my club. He was a teenager. Okay. My club was never show the crazy horse. And I'd let him in. He used to come in with some kids from Pelham Bay. And he would come in. I knew he was underage. And uh, then he uh, he became an actor way before I did. And um, and then he ended up uh, doing 24. Or did he do that after The Sopranos? Maybe that was after The Sopranos. But... Um, he started doing some work, and then he uh, wound up playing uh, with me. And it was—I think it was perfect casting because he was a neighborhood guy. He's from Oliver City Island. He came out of Pelham Bay. They—they uh, they even wanted him to wear sweatsuits, so it didn't really look like he was an FBI guy. Right. And uh, and, and I, I'm going to call him Ducky. Would come over here to my house here on City Island, and we would work, and then we get in the car and go shoot the scenes, and. A lot of times we just did one take and come home. It was really fun stuff, man. Those scenes are some of the best, and you yeah. get you get the real read on your all the stuff that you're struggling with in yeah. your mind while he's talking to you. Uh, ti- right. Timeless stuff. He said, "You're not an FBI. Uh, you don't work for the FBI." <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, when you were slowly thinking that you got the worst case of Stockholm syndrome since uh, Patty Hearst. Yeah, well, that's what he was saying to the writers. What's going on? And they said, you got to stop on Patty Ersender. Yeah. Uh, Vincent, this has been a pleasure. Just a couple of things to wrap up. What's on your plate these days? Uh, doing a pilot in Florida with uh, my friend Willie DeMeo. Uh, going on tour with Michael Imperioli and Steve Schripper. We're going all over the country. We're going to end up in Australia. Um, meet and greets. Um, I run around with my band. I'm teaching at HB Studios in Greenwich Village, and I do stand-up comedy with my friend Bill Johnny. Our next show is up in Canada, so my life is pretty round. Plus, I have my private life. I try to have a private life. Vincent, this has been an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for taking the time. I got a question.
question for you before you go. Did you ever have David Pavar on? I did. It's so funny you ask. You know what, uh, Vincent, that episode is posted. You can listen to it. He came into the studio and we talked for about an hour and a half. And trip, huh? fascinating guy. Great actor. Great actor. Yeah, well, see, David and I do a lot of projects together. He's on this show with me down in Florida. And I also did a movie with him. We shot in... Um, not Burbank, um, Bakersfield. Oh boy, we shot up in Bakersfield. It's called Papa. That was a working title then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. 